So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, The Big Kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Today we are in part five of the journey to legacy wealth. And really today we're going to talk about scaling for exponential growth. How to put this thing on a trajectory that you cannot stop. In other words, once you get going, it just not only becomes good, it becomes kind of what I call ludicrous, right? When you're just making money hands over fist, you don't know what to do yourself, and all of a sudden money will now no longer be your motivator. Now, who would like to get to that level, okay? I know, like, when I talk about my sunsets and palm trees life, living, you know, why I love Hawaii, why it means something to me, it's really about that lifestyle. It's about when you're able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and bring friends along and have experiences and life and vigor and excitement and passion and all the things that I think we truly desire and want. This one thing called multifamily investing, man, I'm telling you, when done right, it can lead to things you never thought possible. So before we get started, though, let me just give a big shout. We have almost 450, no, 435 reviews on Apple. Like, first of all, I want to thank all my listeners for the tremendous love and respect. To have that many reviews is phenomenal. So I really just want to say thank you. Our podcast is starting to get ranked nationally, locally. If you guys get value out of this podcast, I mean, smash the share button, share it, uh, send it out, let people know about this thing, because we're going to keep providing value, content, and just some how-to stuff, along with great guests. I've got a, a lot of great guests getting ready to show up. I'm just going to give you some very detailed, factual, like, let me help you kind of knowledge. I think it's important, right? So a couple of reviews that just came out. Sophia says, inspirational. I wish this podcast was around 10 years ago when I started my journey. Plenty of content for us listeners. Thank you, Multifamily Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for that, Sophia. Also, Joshua says, this podcast is for you. This is an awesome podcast. If you're starting out or still trying to decide where to start, this podcast is made for you. And listen, it's, it is. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to toot my own horn. I'm not good at a lot of things. I love talking about the journey and hopefully leaving enough valuable nuggets that it really can help you along your journey and get you unlocked and get you unstuck and propel you 
to this cash flow life and the life of just, it's just different. It really is. And to, it's kind of holding lightning in a bottle, man. And that's what I equate it to. It is one of the best feelings in the world to know that you did it, right? To scale that top and to get that success, it means something. It is something to strive for. And when you get there, it's a great feeling. And then what happens is you just see another challenge or another hill to take on, right? And that's the beauty of this game is you can play as big or as small as you want. But when you're playing for cash flow, that is, it's life-changing. Because once you replace your income, you now are free. And then when you start adding the extra money in there, when you start replacing like stupid money on top of that, that just gives you more options. And I don't know about you, but I like having options. Options are fun. Options include like Hawaii and travel and just to do things that normally most people can't. And I enjoy those things. I'm not all about Corey and I'm not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I mean, I just don't, I don't surround and make money my my goal and my life and the thing. But I do like what it provides. I love the lifestyle that I get to live. And I still try to stay humble, try to stay focused. And hopefully that's you too. So scaling for growth. One of the biggest things about scaling that I really want to just kind of jump in and understand is it does take a little bit of planning, okay? Um, and really that's kind of like one of the first building blocks is to understand your vision, your plan, what you want to do, where you want to go. Because if you don't know where you want to go, anything can get you there. Then understanding to use leverage. Once you understand leverage, right? We talked about in the very first part of this five or six point series was first series was all about leverage right and understanding the power of leverage and you know what that does for you then understanding systems you know it's one thing to have leverage but if you can leverage that into systems systems another big building block of that and then last thing is it takes action right we can have all these things kind of planned out and done but it really is that missing piece that one piece that makes the difference is action taking action is how you get growth happening you can do all like listen i see it all the time where i see analysis paralysis those people that go about their life you know, like they're professional boot campers and they love the information but what they don't like to do is the work. And if you don't like doing the work, listen, I have there is no cure for that because you, you simply have to put in your dues. But if you put in your dues, listen, life is like, it's like a box of chocolates, right? You never know which one you're gonna get except when you put the work in, you can pretty much say, I'm going to go this way, and that's what usually happens, right? So it's not like opening up that box of chocolates and I wonder which one I'm going to get. Listen, when you start putting work in and you're moving towards a direction, things tend to happen the way you see it. Now, it does, that's not always perfect, but usually when you're focused on the prize, see, obstacles come in the way. But when you're looking and focused on your vision, you just seem to kind of maneuver around them or over them, whatever, but you're still focused on that vision and what you need to do. And you're taking action every step of the way. All right. So when we talk about scaling for growth, one of your biggest hurdles or you know things that you've got to deal with is taxes, right? It's the one thing that can drag you down 
from going faster. And so great thing about commercial real estate and residential apartments is right now we currently have some laws that are really helping you with that burden. And that's the cost segregation study. And so every time we buy a part, an apartment complex, we usually do a cost segregation study. And just to understand the power of this, you know, we bought a $10 million building last year. We got a $3 million cost seg depreciation. In other words, what that is, is instead of saying you've got land and a building, the normal depreciation schedule for apartments is 27.5 years after you've taken the value of the land away. Well, that's great, and that in theory is good, but the cost segregation study is where an engineering firm comes in and says, you don't just have a building, you have a bunch of appliances, you've got electrical, you've got drywall, you've got fixtures, and all these different things have different time lifespan values. And so what it allows you to do is take everything that's one year, three year, five year, and 15 year, and accelerate that into year one it's called bonus depreciation and bonus depreciation like that's where we got that three thousand dollars bonus depreciation that we were we were able to use right away and because we are real estate i'm a real estate professional so in other words i do real estate full time it can help offset other income. So when you're making that cash flow profit from the property, but then you get depreciation, you basically can say like, you're not gonna have to pay taxes. And listen, being able to circumvent taxes is one of your biggest burdens. And if you can get that burden away from you, it allows you to go so much faster. You can scale so much faster and use money to buy more deals. And really that's what we're talking about is like when you can get and use the money where you normally pay taxes and use that to reinvest in more property, again, we're using the power of leverage. And you know, leverage means a lot. And we're gonna talk about it here in just a second. But it really is about getting into massive, massive action. So cost segregation is one way to help get, you know, be able to scale. The other thing about scaling is once you kind of get like, let's talk about your team and people. Because, you know, when you first start, if you're by yourself, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm making the, the, the move to like do this. What do you need? Like, what people do you really have to have on your team? And I call it your power team. And simply put, you're gonna need a loan officer, a private placement lawyer, a syndication lawyer. You're gonna need a management company. You're gonna need someone that does insurance on commercial real estate, a commercial insurance person in your life. You're gonna also want just to have like a regular legal lawyer that does like contracts, right? Hopefully LLCs as well. And then you're gonna also wanna have a great title company that you use as well. Those are some of the basics. And these are people that are usually third party to you, but they're still the right people. And if you have great people in that pipeline, they're gonna help you do a lot of the minutia of this deal called commercial real estate apartments. But there's also this you and factor. You and so, cause what I know about apartment investing is, is it's typically a team sport. It doesn't feel or seem like most of the time people are doing this business alone because there's a lot of moving parts. And so initially you may have a partner when you're doing deals. Now I've always said this and I, I believe in this ism is that you should do deals and not partnerships. 
I truly believe in that more now than ever. And because, listen, you could come together with you and maybe a partner and you say, hey, let's go do this deal. And listen, you could come back and say, you know, six months later, hey, guy, do you want to do another deal? And I think by keeping everything in a deal bucket, it's really easy to understand the deal. When you communicate about what this deal looks like, what we're going to do to the deal, how are we going to rehab it? You know, what's the plan for the deal? You can get really clear on that. But what it really does is allows you to have other people in your life that you may want to do deals with. And I think it's really like when you have a partner, what happens if you get unequal in your partnership? In other words, you created a 50-50 partnership and, you know, three years down the road, it's it's more like 75-25. You're doing 75 of the work but your partner is still getting 50% of the money and, but he's really doing 25% of the work. Is that fair? Right? How do you manage out of that? And what happens if you break up? What happens if you get divorced? Right? Is it ugly? Can it hurt? Can it, can it be painful? The answer to all that is yes. Could be met. Could it be messy? Yes. So what if you just looked at it from the standpoint of let's do deals and not partnerships. In other words, we can do this deal together. And that way, if one deal goes bad, it's just the deal. It's not forever life. Like, cause you got other deals that you do with maybe other people. And, or at least you keep it very separate like that. I think it's very important to do it. I just, I, I believe in doing deals. And I really just want to emphasize that to you guys as listeners, because a lot of times when you're going about this business, it really does take a lot of work and a lot of action. And if you can split that up with somebody, it makes a lot of sense, but just keep it where it's your company and the other person's company. And then when you really, if you keep on doing deals together and you feel like it really is going to that next level, then you can become a partnership, right? But what I see too often is people jump into these partnerships without truly knowing the partner. They didn't date. So date for a little bit, right? Take some time to really get to know that partner and see if that's the person you really want to be a partner with because you may not. You may see some dark sides, right? Some Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and, you know, you may not like it. So why not kind of put yourself a little buffer there? And I, I just think it's important, okay? So I know I'm harping on it for just a minute, but I really want to make sure I push it out there because I've seen too many of my good friends go down this path and then get sucked into a divorce, business divorce, and they hate it, man. They absolutely hate it. And it just rips them. To it. it rips them financially. Just, oh, gosh. And I just, I just don't want you guys to suffer from it, right? I suffered from it on my very first deal. It wasn't fun and it was very nasty. And there's just no need for it, okay? All right, so the other thing is when you talk about people and team, eventually you're gonna wanna hire some people. I think, now not for everybody, but I think when you start scaling and you're starting to get a little bit bigger, you know, you've got your first deal, right? First deal, you put everything into it, boom, okay, got it done. Now it's it's got, I got a management company doing it. Then I go find another one, right? Okay, are you doing multiple deals a year? Is it just one deal a year, right? And really, listen, you can make a, you can become a multimillionaire just doing one deal a year. But eventually, you're going to start finding some, some places where you might want to hire people. And one of the first places that I see a lot of people where they should be hiring, in my opinion, is 
a VA, a virtual assistant, to help with your underwriting. When you're looking at deals, a lot of entrepreneur types, visionaries, the guys that see that, you know, that it can put all the pieces and, and have the, but a lot of times visionaries are really not good on the details, right? Details. And underwriting is all about details and data. And a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we are not equipped to do this well. Now we can look at the data once it's been amassed and then kind of make some bigger decisions. We're pretty good at that. But where I see a lot of investors fail in this business, they underestimate the amount of work it requires to find a deal. And listen, I'm not talking about just looking at one or two deals. I'm talking about looking at hundreds of deals. You get to look at hundreds of deals to find some deals, to find one. And most people will get tired at after 10, right? They end up, I underwrote 10 deals. There's nothing out there. Keep looking, brother. <laughs> You ain't looked hard enough, okay? What if you looked at 100 and you couldn't find something? Well, look at 101. Look at 200, right? Look at as many deals as you have to to find the one that's going to work. And that's just the way it is. And if you will do that, and I'll show you here in a minute. We're going to do like a little bit of like what does it look like. Is if you were just to do one deal a year, that's all you did. You had 365 days in the year. And all it took is you took one time to find one apartment deal. I'm just going to show you where you can become a multi-multi-millionaire just doing that. So leverage, I'm just going to tell you, I think most people, you, the one of the first hires you should ever hire is your virtual assistant to do to help you with underwriting. Teach them, train them, how to, you know, where to put it. Once you get them good, that'll help you so much to getting your underwriting when to find their, you know, you have a potential deal from a broker, they send you a T12 and a rent roll that your VA can put it in your underwriting software you know, with 90% of accuracy and, and all the information in the right spot where you can do the 10% to make sure that you understand and massage it to make it, you know, your, what you do at a high level. To me, that makes a lot of sense. Most people are not doing it that way. And what happens is when you're doing work that you're really not equipped for, A, you're not very efficient at it. It drains you of everything that you are. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Am I talking to you? Because I know I talk to me when I do this, like I'm not built for this crap. I'm not built to underwrite 100 deals. It would pull, it, I would go mad. And not only would I go mad, it would take me forever. No, no, thank you. So what do I do? I just hire people to do it for me. Way smarter, right? Use your strengths. Understand what you're good at, what you're not. And see, you don't have to be good at your things you suck at. Don't, don't even try. Just be good at the things you're good at. And in fact, the good things you're good at, be great. Be a master. Be like Jedi level, like Wudan Ninja kind of stuff, right? Like that's where you want to be. Like I do this, not just good, but I, I'm excellent. Do that. To me, that makes that's that helps you take massive action when you know what you're good at. Know what you're good at, know what you suck at. Hire the people that, that when you what you suck at, hire it out as soon as possible. They always say, you know, how do you grow? Well, you grow when it makes sense. And probably, you know, as soon as you can possibly hire the, the things that you suck that you need to get done. I truly believe that. You know, one of my second hires was, for me, was a personal assistant. Someone to track my time. And I'm not saying that that's what you should do. But for me, that was one of the things that I really needed. I needed someone to track my time, help me with time management. I knew that I needed to get good at it and I needed to be great at it. 
And I sucked at putting stuff in my calendar, but I hired a personal assistant that's great at it and holds me accountable. So now I don't even have to think about what I'm doing. I just look at my schedule and it's all there for me and I can follow the schedule really good. But to get it all in that schedule, that's not good stuff for Corey to do. And so that was one of, that was like my second hire was that. It may not be for you. Maybe you need something, maybe you want an acquisitions person. But for me, it was just someone to help, help handle my time you know, for teaching and coaching and mentoring and, and all the things that I did. I just needed someone to help balance me and my time. And because I, what I've found is my time is way more valuable than everything else that I do. And so I've got to, I really got to keep track of it if I want to be efficient. All right. So as you start to keep scaling and growing, you know, as you're adding team members, right? And what are those team? I mean, we just talked about a little bit what those team members are. You know, you could have an asset manager, an asset manager to help manage your, when you start getting more and more properties, right? You may want to have an asset manager. Before you even get there though, you know, you might want to have an acquisitions person on your team, someone that helps you. And you can either bring these people onto your team or you find someone that wants to partner and that's what they bring to the deal, right? A lot of times, you know, sometimes I've found people that had a deal that I met at a conference or that I was introduced to that had a deal. And that's really what they had is they had a deal. They weren't going to do, they're going to try to do some of the other stuff. But, and so I just partnered with them and said, Hey, listen, I'll give you some part of the GP for the deal and I'll take care of all the rest. And that was good enough for them. So there's ways to leverage this stuff. But a lot of times, you know, bring someone that has, you know, they're, they're bringing something to the game to help you do it. Now, eventually this is my thought is I want to, I want to create a, a management a company where my company is, instead of having deal partners and deal this and deal that, I just want, I wanted to create a company where we can, we hire people and like we, we have full-time employees. They get benefits. You know, we have payroll that I have to meet and I have a company with team members and we have, you know, we've went through traction. We understand our rocks and we have a, you know, a system that we, they, we operate from. And we have our mission statement. We have our goals. We have our core values. And so we have decided that we wanted to become that. Now, what does that take? It takes money to be able to have team members. When you have partners, they typically work for free because they're getting paid from the deal. But the trade-off is that is that sometimes they're, you know, you got to carve out or give up a lot of your deal. And my thought was, okay, that's okay in the beginning. But as I start to scale, I wanted to build a team around my company to where I'm paying employees and I'm getting them to buy into the fact of what we're doing. I have to, you know, I pay them a lot less, I guess, that I, than I would pay, you know, people, you know, to partner. But also I'm, you know, I'm giving people jobs and I'm creating a company and it's just different is, is the way I'm looking at it. But I'm also, now I have payroll. I have, I have commitments. I have, you know, people that, that count on me to provide income. So how I've learned to pay for this and pay for staff. And it's one of the things that I'm, I'm very, very adamant on is making sure that you are taking a asset management fee in all your deals. And that typically should be about 2%. If you're taking a 2% asset management fee on top, of you, normally a management company is going to charge you 4% and then you charge 2% to the deal as well for an asset management fee. What does that do? That helps keep your bills paid and keep your lights on as you start to scale. 
And, you know, typically, I'll give an example. On one of our properties, we typically collect about $225,000 every month. And it's on collected rent. It's our total income line. And so times 2% is $4,500. Well, I mean, that's one person's, that's $50,000 a year roughly, right? 45 times 12 is $54,000. That's, that's definitely a salary. If not, you know, listen, we hire people that work at our properties for around 40, 45. So at 54, I mean, that's top of the chain there. You can get a lot out of a person that's making $50,000 a year. Maybe you hired, you know, 30. You know, if you had, what if you got two properties just like that? Now you're getting, you know, $10,000 a month. What if you had three? Now you have 15. See, see where I'm going? You start adding your staff as you acquire deals. And I think that's where you help, that helps scale your growth. And more importantly, though, you still have other things that you got to pay for. So like we talk about investor management software. So I use a software called IMS, Investor Management Solutions, which actually was just bought out by RealPage. And so we are looking actually at going to RealPage. We've been using Appfolio for a while, but as I'm starting to get quite a few properties under management, I don't believe it's the right software solution for me for as a management software. And now that RealPage does own IMS, I think I can actually make this more even more affordable for me to move into RealPage as a management solution software as well for uh, property management. So we're thinking about moving to that. But that in itself cost me, I think, $1,200 a month. And so how do we pay for that, right? When you're starting to operate, like when I first started, I didn't have it. But as, as I've started to scale and I wanted to give a better customer experience for my investors, we added that. And so again, the part of scaling is understanding what, what is your plan? What is your vision? And we wanted, without, a, without making it you know sound weird, but we wanted to be an, invest, an investor management company, right? Like that's... That's what we want to do is, is investor capital management, right? Without being under security and exchange, you know, commission rules, guidelines. So like, I don't want to manage money, but like effectively do manage money being in the syndication world. We raise under an exemption, but we are definitely taking people's money in and we put it in deals and, you know, we've got, that's what we do. And so, I mean, we want to have a professional experience for our investors we want them to feel like we're investor grade and so that was one of the things that we made as a a buy-in to our company and, and who we are and what we were going to be we said it like we want to be professional and so we started taking steps to do it now it didn't start in the very beginning but as you grow and scale you start saying okay how do i make the you know because it becomes a snowball effect right as you start getting more investors, more investors will bring you more investors, will bring you more investors if they are having great experiences. So how do you give them great experiences? Pay them when you're going to say you're going to pay them. And I say that with the greatest salt because right now COVID is in effect. And we are, you know, we have student housing properties that are not paying. I just said it like it's not all rosy and sunsets and palm trees and kahuna land, kids. <laughs> it's a little tough right now okay but like does it change my whole outlook no we'll get through it it's just it's bumps in the road We're, we've made adjustments we'll get through it like every company has to 
no matter where you're at and what you're doing. COVID's a world pandemic. We're going to get through it. And we'll come out on the end fine. But, you know, if I was to look at the media now, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? And listen, most of my investors are pretty understanding. Some of them are not, right? But that's the part of it. But at least they know that we're communicating. I think that's important. We invested in investor management software. And I think as soon as you can, I think it's important for you. If you're trying to build that, if you want to, you know, build a never-ending gobstopper, right, that keeps on giving. See, that is the golden goose of capital. When you treat it right, it keeps spitting out those damn golden eggs. And I'm telling you, those things are beautiful. (laughs) And you want more of them. You want a lot of them. You want to attract those golden goose into your lives. And then you, you massage it and you and you make them happy and you figure out ways to add value and make their day because they will make yours. They will absolutely make yours. And I want to leave on this note for scaling your business, right? In, in this business is that you've got to believe it, okay? You've got to set yourself up in your belief first because that's where it starts, Okay. So let's just put a cherry on top of this thing and, and show you like what it could possibly look like. And this is just like me just, I was like, man, listen, what, what would it, you know, if you did a deal a year for five years, what would it look like, right? And this is just like rudimentary math. This is not like me trying to look at and formulating exactly what's going to happen. But let's just say you buy a deal and you can make $75,000 in passive income for yourself on your, your side on the uh, B shares, okay? And you're the only guy that's doing, in, in, your, in your deal, you're gonna get that. You're buying a $5 million deal. So I think that's very realistic. Like, to me, that doesn't seem like I'm trying to overcomplicate it or overshoot it, okay? What would that look like if you only bought one deal that looked like that, did it five times in five years? In other words, one deal a year for five years. What would your life look like, right? Well, if you take that $75,000 and you did it times five, that's $375,000 a year in passive income. And guys, that's like, that's pretty damn good. So 375 divided by 12 is $31,000 a month. When you put it down to like that, that's pretty damn good money, okay? And that's passive, whether like you're sleeping or not sleeping or whatever you're doing in life, you're still going to get your checks, okay? You're still going to get that money. I'm okay with it. Like I'm like, can you? Can I check the box? Hell yeah. Can I say, I'll take it? Yes, please, for me. Can I supersize it? I mean, yes, I want 375 a year, please. Can I take that button, door number two? So, and I think most of you guys would say yes as well, okay? And then what if in that, you had you bought a five million dollar deal. Let's say in five years from now, your deals mature, right? You start your deals start to mature, and let's just say that we double, right? I think it's very common for us to buy something in five years, maybe double. In other words, if you bought it for five million, it's worth ten million. Okay. Now, normally, if you double something, you get to make a lot of the money. I'm saying, let's say you bought a five million dollar deal every year, five years one deal a year, and then you, at, at the end of five years, you're gonna sell it, you're gonna make $2 million, okay? You're making $2 million every time you sell it. So on that fifth year, you get to that fifth year, 
boom, you got 375 in income, and boom, shows up $2 million, right? Next year, you know, 375, another $2 million. Next year, 375, another $2 million. Now, what if you took that $2 million every time you made it and you reinvested it in your own deal where you were the investor, right? So, listen, if you're paying six and six like I pay, $2 million times 6% is, what, $120,000 in more passive income a year. So every year that you sell, and let's say you buy another deal, all you're doing is growing your your money at a, at, at a phenomenal rate. I'm not going to do the math, but like... The, it eventually starts to get stupid. And, you know, if you're to fast forward another five years from, from that point and you're, and you're reinvesting your money into deals for just you, in other words, you're the, you're the owner and you are the investor. Like, to me, that's never, never land. That's where I'm heading. And, like, we've got deals that are starting to mature, I think, next year, that that's exactly what's going to happen is we're going to take, you know, on some of these deals, one of these deals, I think we'll make like three and a half, four million dollars my side. And what am I going to do? I'm going to take that money and absolutely buy a deal just for Corey Peterson and Kahuna Investments. No partners, no investors. I am the investor. I'm the owner. And because I'm creating legacy wealth. And this is where this is. This is what it could look like. So in five years, you're free. Okay. Can we all agree to that? If you do this business and find a deal a year for five years, you are free, my friend. At 375 a year income, most people are free, okay? You do not now have to worry about money, like paying your bills, okay? So you get, I mean, really, you probably get there in your second deal, right? 75,000 times 75, maybe make 150. You've probably replaced your income by then for most people, okay? So... Then everything else after that's gravy. And then that's where like it starts becoming a different life and different different challenge. And it comes with different challenges too, by the way, right? And we'll talk about this later in, in a different uh, episode. I think I've talked about it once. I can't remember what episode it was, but you know, the power of you know two letters, one word, no. When you start making a lot of money, you got to learn to master the word no because people are going to ask for it all the time. And sometimes it's, it's not right to say yes. Sometimes you got to say no. If you said yes to every idea that popped in, you'd be miserable because it would run you down. So the power of no, when you start making money, you got to learn how to say no. And a lot of times it's to your friends and family. Believe me, right? How do I know? I know this. <laughs> I know it from fact. So, but what I'm saying is in, you know, in that fifth year, you're financially free. And then every year after that, so in my mind, it's a 10-year succession plan to get away from all investors where you'll never ever have to raise capital again. And here's the beauty of this too. So let me just, I want to illustrate this. Let's say you had a two, you know, on that $5 million deal, maybe you raised $2 million. And let's say, so the end of that fifth year, you make $2 million and you investors have $2 million plus their back end. So maybe they've got a total of $3 million now. Okay. You take your $2 million, you find your own deal to buy, and now you still have your investors' money with $3 million. What do they want to do? Well, they don't want to go anywhere else. They're already jonesing on you. So now you have to have two deals for every one that you're going to sell, that you're going to exit from. 
or you refi or you keep the deal that you have and you uh, refi to cash out all your investors. So you keep that deal, but then you go and invest into another deal with capital. That's where it gets. So in this game, you have to raise money for five years. I believe you raise, if you do a deal a year every uh, for five years, and it, listen, if you can do two or three deals a year for five years, when you get to the end of that fifth year and you start to come back into where the maturity, you don't have to go raise money again. You've raised your tranches of capital for five years in a row. That capital is always going to be there. Most of it's going to want to reinvest. You don't have to worry about raising massive amounts of capital. At least in my opinion, you don't. Because you can start, you just say, okay, well, do we keep this deal or do we sell it? If we sell it, what are we going to do with our investors' money? So we need to make sure we have another deal lined up. And then like the syndication world becomes way more easier. And then if you're smart, you're going to be keeping doing deals with you doing your own separate deals. I just truly believe in that. If you can start doing your own deals where you're just the investor and the owner, man, you're eventually you'll, you'll be free where, where you now, and that's my goal for me and my family is in about another five to seven years, I think I'll be there. And where now, like I look at my kids, my kids are in high school. What are they going to do? They're getting ready to go to college for four, another four or five years. I think my daughter has wants to be in the family business. Maybe she doesn't. Like they have to come to me. I'm not pushing them at all in at this date and time. Like they have to come back to me and say, "Dad, I want in." And you know, I've left them a lot of clues. They understand it. But but it, but if they and when they do, the goal now is not. I mean, I'm gonna teach them the whole business. But really, the point is like I'm gonna teach them the fundamentals of how to find great deals and how to manage them and operate them. Right. I don't think we'll have to find money anymore. I think they'll just be like, guys, here's the deals that we have coming up. Here's the mature, mature deals. We've got to find great properties to put this new money into. And then that's the job. And eventually it just becomes where we're managing our own. We become a family office. And to me, that's super exciting. And see, that's the vision that you, you put around these things. As you start to scale, you can do major things, mighty things, things that will change the world, things that will change you, things that will change your friends and your lives, your family. It's it's a game changers, right? And that's why I love this business. That's why I love this podcast. So I can show you through my words and my affirmations that it is true that you can do it, that your belief has to be real like mine. I didn't just think I could. I knew I could. I was relentless in my pursuit. I did not stop. I knew I had to tell myself daily that I was the man, that I was it, that I would surround myself with positive people, that I would not let the naysayers, the negativity come in and and distract me and, and get me off course. And if I got off course, I would fight like hell to get back on course and to drive and and to go and succeed and never quit. That is the definition, my friends. That is the commitment level it takes and the passion to be successful. Guys, if you believe it, if you truly believe it, you can achieve it in your paradise is absolutely